What's up, friends? It's me, Eric, and I am back with my phone ringing. <laughs> Who is calling you at 9 o'clock at night in Massachusetts? Who kind of jerk? It's, um, it's Nebraska. Pick up the phone. <laughs> it's Matt Rule. He's ready to talk what? to you. <laughs> Matt, looking forward to seeing what you're doing this year with the boys, Matt. Who's going to uh, catch the ball on this offense? <laughs> Can Jeff Sims actually complete a, complete a pass 10 yards on the field? Yeah, I I don't know, man. But he got the hype originally as a freshman. I was like, I am really good, you know? But, <laughs> I, man, I don't know. Hendon Hooker uh, became good in his fifth year and got drafted. So. Hey, hey. Hendon Hooker was good in his fourth year, too. Kyle, how you doing? How you feeling about the rest of the Big Ten here? Are you fired up? My teams suck. I'm just gonna say it. My teams are not not good. Yeah, we spent all the good the good money last week. Or, On or Ohio last State, week. yeah, yeah. Iowa State, and it was kind of all you had that was good, actually. Right, you had that, and then a bunch of nonsense. Indiana. Wait, wait, oh, yeah. Wisconsin, man. Wisconsin's fun. They're gonna they're gonna throw the ball. We'll see if they can figure it out in year one. I really like Mordecai. So, all right, anyways, where do you want to start, man? You, you're the captain. Um, take the ship out of port. Yeah, we'll start with the uh, the Boilermakers. We'll really push the engine towards the finish line here today with Purdue. Um, Jeff Brom leaves Purdue to go to his alma mater of the University of Louisville. And Purdue, in his stead, hires Ryan Walters, who is a uh, – Defensive-minded guys, so not really going to be involved in the offense. We don't care about Ryan Walters. But at OC, they hire Graham Harrell. Um, Graham Harrell is a air raid disciple, um, a former Washington State wide receivers coach behind Mike Leach. After that, he took over as the OC at North Texas and then moved on to the OC at USC. And then last season was the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. Um, he's had some decent production in terms of CFF. I mean, um, at USC, obviously they had good wide receivers, but he did use them well. And guys like Drake London, Amon Ross St. Brown, etc. Um, usually does all right at the QB position. I mean, he's going to throw the ball. He's not going to, not going to run often. So plenty of passing volume, even if it's not far down the field, um, running backs are all right. I mean, guys who catch passes, at the running back position will be worth something in PPR and an air raid system, just like always. And then tight end, not really a thing. I mean, air raids tend to not use that position. Graham Harrell's air raid is no different. And then um, for Harrell, like this, this type of air raid that he runs, it's pretty simple. Um, lots of mesh, lots of stuff like that. It does well against bad teams and tends to do very poorly against good teams, um, which is kind of helpful for CFF. I mean, we know which weeks team a team like Purdue is going to do well and which weeks they're going to suck. Um, I mean, they're not going to do anything against Michigan, not going to do anything against Ohio State or anybody like that. But, you know, the non-con schedule is probably going to be good for Purdue for CFF. But now moving on to the players, um, Aiden O'Connell heads to the NFL, so they bring in a transfer to replace him, and that will be Hudson Card transferring in from Texas. I believe he was the QB 
two last year behind Quinn Ewers at Texas. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might have been Murphy, but I don't know. No, yeah, he was ahead of Malik. So yeah. Um. So I mean, he's a guy who has had some talent. It looks like. I mean, just keeps getting passed over at Texas, though. It's always kind of the two. Um. I mean, I see some potential here. I mean, he's a guy who's gonna attempt a lot of passes. Like I said, um, has some talent. So Card is a guy to watch. A lot of people are seem to be in on him here at Purdue. And then at running back, the big returner is Devin Mockaby, who last year as a redshirt freshman put up 968 rushing yards on 195 attempts with nine rushing touchdowns and caught 32 passes for 274 yards. I mean, um, a guy who's catching 32 passes in a Jeff Brom offense will probably catch about 60 in an air raid offense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Mockaby's, I think, is a uh, very important name to watch if you're playing PPR CFF. Um he is kind of a uh, a smaller back. I mean, he's six foot two hundred, which is all right, but it's 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 definitely not a big body type back. He's definitely more of a, a satellite speedster type guy, um, although not to the extreme level. And then um, they have another running back behind him, Dylan Downing, who is more of the uh, big guy. He is six foot two twenty five and a senior. Um, I'd expect him to get some goal line work, maybe fill in for Maccabi if Maccabi were to get injured, um, but not super interesting. He had 351 yards and four touchdowns last year. So not a guy I'm looking to roster, but a name to watch if Maccabi were to go down. And then at the wide receiver position, everything seems to be pretty wide open at Purdue. I mean, Charlie Jones moves on to the NFL. Tight end Payne, Derman, Payne Durham also goes to the NFL. Um, Tyrone Tracy, who was their wide receiver two or three last season, has now moved to running back. Um, so he's semi-interesting as a running back. I mean, I would have preferred if he was playing wide receiver in this offense, but maybe he catches some passes out of the backfield. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of returning production at Purdue at the wide receiver position. And they brought in some transfers. Well, really one big transfer, and that was Jamal Idreen out of FAU, who really impressed people at camp. I mean, he had um he was a guy who had 40 receptions for 570 yards and at six touchdowns last year at FAU. Looked to be the guy in Purdue's um spring and summer practices, and he is now out for the season, though. So Jamal Idreen not gonna be a CFF guy for this year. I kind of think there might be some Devi there, at least a little bit, like a round three or like a day three type guy in the future. I mean, he's what six year? foot three, two ten. Um, assuming he gets a medical waiver for missing this entire season, he'll have two years of eligibility next year. Um, so he's a red shirt junior. Um, so maybe a name to watch in the future. Obviously not going to see the field this year. But of the guys who are going to see the field this year, um, the guy who is the has the most returning production looks to be the guy you want if you want a wide receiver on Purdue. 
is TJ Sheffield. He is a redshirt senior slot wide receiver at 5'11", 190 pounds. He had 56 receptions, 560 yards, and eight touchdowns as the wide receiver two to Charlie Jones last year. I mean, I can talk myself into TJ Sheffield as a CFF option, especially in an offense that I think is going to throw the ball a lot. Um, he's in the slot, which tends to do well in an air raid offense. Um, so I like TJ Sheffield a little bit. Other guys who are expected to start are Mershon Rice, who is a redshirt senior, six foot two, 205, 17 receptions, 227 yards, and a touchdown last year. Um, this is just kind of a guy who's a redshirt senior, so um, that gets you something. Um, I mean, he's older than everybody and probably more athletic, so Mershon Rice will probably be the wide receiver too. And then um, looking at, you know, beats and, like, projected depth, depth charts, Abdur Rahman Yassin is the third wide receiver on the field. He is a redshirt junior. Last season he had two receptions for 13 yards on 12 targets. I um, don't understand how a guy like that is listed as a starter, but that's just to show you how paper thin the Purdue wide receiver room really is. Um, and then there's probably two or three guys who haven't gotten, weren't listed as starters on projected depth charts. I think they're a little interesting. Um, one of those is a guy who transferred in from Auburn last year, Elijah Canyon. He is, um, super fast and actually pretty big, um, for a speedster type wide receiver. If he gets on the field, it's something to watch. I mean, last year, he I think he played one receiving snap at all and didn't get a target. So, um, But he seems to be impressing the new coaching staff. I mean, Elijah Canyon, I think there's big potential if he's actually on the field just because of the type of wide receiver he is, but I don't, I don't really see it. And then um, Curtis DeVille is a guy that, I mean, a few of us in like this community tended to like as a wide receiver prospect last year. I mean, not super hyped by the 24-7 guys. He was a wide receiver 50 in last year's class, a low four-star. He's six foot one, 180, and a, just a just a great athlete, like super fast, um, like a 90th percentile speed type athlete. Um, but he was injured last season and missed all of the year. So it'll be interesting to see if Curtis DeVille can come back and make a splash. He hasn't really gotten any hype at all. Um, things have been pretty quiet on that front. But he's a guy who some people had hopes for last season, so maybe coming off injury he can make something happen. I did then, see uh, one one beat report or whatever that was like, oh, uh, Coach mentioned Curtis DeVille. Don't forget about him. We're excited to have him back. But Yeah. I wonder if he's still missing some time, just still rehabbing or something. I don't if know. If I recall, I mean, God, the number of camp reports I read, but I remember it was like, oh, he's going to be back, and we're excited to have him back. But I, I obviously didn't make spring camp, so, like, what is there to report at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they bring in a freshman who is a four-star, another low four-star, Armad Branch, the wide receiver 41 on 247. I don't really have much on him other than that he is the wide receiver 41 on 247. Somebody liked him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, 
like I said, tight end not really going to be um, a big thing in this new offense. So no tight ends of note at Purdue, I believe. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm, I'm, I think Mockaby's like the returning RB13 by points per game. That's almost exactly where I kind of like intuitively wanted to put him. I don't know if that sounds yeah. right to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I can talk myself into a jump, but um, I like that. I mean, I like everyone ahead of him quite a bit. So, but yeah, I mean, if he catches, if he has a uh, Max Borgie-esque season, then we will be, you know, he'll be a top five guy. But everyone ahead of him should score a lot. Hudson Card, I don't know. I mean... If they do air raid it and they they're successful, he's gonna throw the ball five hundred times, right? I feel like. Yeah, I mean, if the the thing is though, like if Byron Brown starts at USF, they're also gonna throw the ball five hundred times. I mean, I could see him as low as Chandler Morris, but I I couldn't get on board with him really being much further behind that. I guess I could. Will Howard. I don't know. Yeah, what Will Howard, Brett it? Gabbert, Carter Bradley's gonna throw the ball a lot. I don't know. I'm fine with him anywhere higher than Malik Warnsby and David Jackson. Chandler Rogers, but that was my first shot thought was I think it's fair to have him above McCarthy. Yeah, it's gotta be Ed McCarthy. Yeah. I think behind Hennigan. Yeah, I don't know why we have Howard behind McCarthy either. Howard doesn't have upside, but he's like a lock for like twenty one or twenty two points a game. All right. And then the only wide receiver I ranked for CFF was Sheffield. That's Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the rest of the uh, room is pretty up in the air. Um, All right. So. We're on on to Cincinnati. Yeah. All right. Yep. So my first team is my holdover from uh, – our previous session that we held off on because we talked about Ohio state for an hour. Um, that would be Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. Um, That's Biden, so. Which like, I want to be more excited for Minnesota. The coach has said they're going to throw the ball more. Um, I mean, same coaching staff that we saw make, Dylan Bell a thing. Uh, what was, sorry, David Bell a thing, right? Um, no, he was from, yeah, right? I think you're right, yeah. And um, Tyler Johnson. And Tyler Johnson, right. Um, so we know he's willing to do it when he has the personnel. He hasn't thrown the ball in a couple of years because you got Mo Ibrahim, who was an extremely talented college back. Uh, obviously good enough to get himself drafted. Uh, despite injuries. Despite an Achilles right? Like that's about as bad as it gets. So, I mean, I think the easy thing to be excited about for CFF, for C2C, uh, the college side for Minnesota, is the running back room. I mean, we have recent history of them just running the ball at extreme volume and doing it effectively. Um Ibrahim's gone. Potts, who was his backup last year, also gone. 
for some reason. Uh, sophomore Zach Evans popped off a little bit in limited work last year. I think we both like him quite a bit. Uh, he was 4.8 a carry in relief. He was the spring game MVP, went 13 for 110. Um, he's 5'10", he's 2.05, he's big enough. Yeah. Could he be a Debbie guy? Sure, why not? I mean, like we know either way right now. He hasn't done anything to tell me he's not. He's big enough, so, you know, why not? And he, he's cheap where he's been available in supplementals. He's been very overlooked. Um, freshman Darius Taylor was the more highly recruited of the two and also has played well, you know, with seven for 48 and one in the spring game. It's about the same size. There's probably some kind of committee unless really one guy separates himself, which I, I do think is going to happen. Um, I mean, I think that's what uh, – no, what's the guy's – what's the coach's name? Kyle. PJ Fleck. Yeah, I think that's what Fleck wants to do. I think he wants a workhorse. He doesn't really – even when we saw Ibrahim get hurt, like Potts was the workhorse, and then Potts got hurt, and someone else came in and took 20 carries. Um, I think that's what he wants to do. He wants a guy. Um, the only real, um, you know, trouble in the waters there uh, for these two is that – Transfer Sean Tyler, Tyler from Western Michigan is also a good running back. He has 2,000-yard seasons under his belt, sure, in the MAC, but they're still 1,000-yard seasons. Um, he's a little bit undersized at, at 185 pounds, but, I mean, he's the experienced guy. Uh I don't know. Some coaches want the guy with experience out there because he's not going to fumble in the fourth quarter, right? Um, so we're, we'll see how that plays out. But in the most recent wave of things I read really sounded like it's going to be Zach Evans getting the first crack, which I'm I'm pretty stoked about. I, I got a couple of shares. I, I wish I had a couple of more. Um, quarterback is like maybe the big problem for the Gophers. And as much as the staff is telling me, in words, they want to throw more. They're not showing me that in actions by uh, having a quarterback competition by uh, Ethan Kalimakis and Cole Kramer. Um, so, Kaliakmanis? I'm I'm bad with that. Kaliakmanis is the presumed starter, but Kramer was statistically better in the spring game. Um, so, you know, one rough day doesn't make a season, but I don't think it's a set in stone thing that Calic Manis is the guy. Uh, I think he's going to be the first guy. What'd you say? That is the Greek rifle. (laughs) How dare I scorn his name, but, uh, I think he's going to be the first guy, but, and that's my other fear because I actually like the wide receiver room quite a bit here. Kyle likes it less than me, I know, because he hates all my guys. But if the quarterback play is atrocious, it's not going to matter who's out there catching the ball. So, um, what did I not write about this? Oh, it's up here. Uh, so, Chris <laughs> Ottman-Bell, who <laughs> was supposed to be a thing a couple of years ago, is back. I don't think he's good. I've never thought he was good. I it just, he's not crisp. He's not like, he doesn't do anything special, right? He's a starting college wide receiver and that's the highest praise he'll get from anyone. 
Daniel Jackson, who had a little bit of hype behind him as a freshman, is back. He's better than CAB. I will give him that, but I also don't think he's like an NFL guy. I mean, he's certainly a guy that if no one else rises to the top, could get some volume. Uh, he's been a downfield guy for them right now, kind of like high yards per catch, but not really uh, being a complete receiver. Um, but I, I really I got my money on, on one of the newcomers there. And uh, I, I like Elijah Spencer. Um, transfer from Charlotte. He's like prototypical size. He was a freshman All-American. Uh, he went for just short of a thousand last year uh, in in a uh, wide receiver room with another talented guy. And uh, spring game, he went 11 catches for 133 yards and a tutty. Um I don't do a ton of advanced data work when we do these things because it bogs it down, but I, I did for Spencer. Spencer went for 3.72 yards per route run against man. That is astounding. The only bit of cold water to throw on myself here is that he had a substantially weaker yards per route run against zone, and that's important. It's Yards per route run against zone is an important part of a Debbie wide receiver's profile, so um, hopefully he can improve on that, but you can teach people to run routes against zone if they can run routes ready. It's just, you know, they got to get the feel for finding the soft spot and good luck finding Elijah Spencer film. There's like two clips of him on the internet. It is awful. Uh, I can't even, I tried to have find ever, all 22 Char- Char- Have you ever watched a live Charlotte football game? I have not. I've, I've, I've seen that. better production quality in high schools. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had a few all twenty two games that are like Charlotte's defense against good teams, but there was they didn't even bother to like package the offense, which made me sad. Um, it was so a anyways, good offense. I'm pretty. What's up? I said I thought it was good offense. Yeah, I mean the kid graduated this year, right? The quarterback, uh, but Chris Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, he was a good G five quarterback. Um, mm. He was a great CFF asset, uh, CFF dynasty. So. Um, a new name that I wasn't really on uh, that is a potential guy here that the, the beats were hyping up and actually got like, uh, you know, spring game MVP um, was, I'm going to struggle to say this, Lemike Brockington, uh, or maybe Lemike Brockington. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore. And, and the Beats were basically more hyped about him than they were about Spencer, although they were also hyped about Spencer. He went eight for 181 in the spring game, so that's a pretty high yards per catch there. I mean, that's 20-plus. So that is a, that's a deep threat guy that's getting volume. We've got spring game, right? Um, you know, the starters probably weren't in the mix, but that's interesting. You know, that's enough for me to pay attention to. And then there's another guy. is Corey Crooms, who came from – a Mac team, right? Where Western Michigan. From? Yeah, he was from Western. Him and Tyler must have kind of buddied up and came over. Um, Crooms was great at Western Michigan. Uh, and he's a high-volume slot guy. He's probably their slot starter unless they, like, move Spencer into the slot because they want Jackson and Bell on the outside. But I really think the, the transfer talent uh, – should rise to the top this year over the returning vets on the roster. I mean, I'm not sure how Fleck is about that, but if he wants to win football games, he's going to put the better players out there. 
So and that's going to put Spencer and Crooms ahead of some other guys on that team for sure. Um, the other really interesting name, particularly for CFF, is Brevin Span Ford, um, who is really like the highest volume returning receiver on the team. Uh, he was 42 for 497 and two last year. Uh, I mean, he should be like, uh, I think everyone's projecting him for substantially more than that. And that's already a decent tight end. You give him six touchdowns, 600 yards. He's, you know, a top 15 type tight end. And I think that's uh, a realistic or even conservative projection for him this year. That's what I got. What do you got in Minnesota? Anything, Kyle? Huge. They, it sounds like they sure threw in the spring game, but like this is r- like ridiculous the amount of they did not throw last year. I mean, wide yeah. receivers had a combined like uh, 150 targets combined, all of them. <laughs> I wonder, I, I almost wonder if Tanner Morgan wasn't a little bit nicked up. Um, like they definitely seemed like they're kind of trying to hide him the past couple of years, and they weren't. I mean, Morgan was. The QB for David Bell when he went off, right? I keep yeah. saying Bell, but I, I feel like I'm wrong about that. <laughs> no, oh, you are. Purdue David guy? Bell is a Purdue guy. It's a Purdue guy. It's Tyler Johnson. Yeah, uh, uh, Bateman. Sorry. Bateman, yeah. But Morgan was Bateman's QB. Yeah. Um, I mean, Morgan played eight games last year, and then Kaliakamakis came in. Kaliak. Manis, that's that's it. Came in. I think um, you say it, Calic Manis, but I, 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 yeah, I've heard Calic Manis. I've heard Caliac Manis. I think it's either way. There's just no A in between the K and the M. This is the big thing that I wanted to do. Um, and he was bad. Fifty-two um, percent completion percentage. I mean, his attempts were 22, 12, 13, 15, and 29. Um, so they didn't really try to throw the ball with him either. Um, yeah, I got something for you, Kyle. I think Kaliak Mag- Kali- <laughs> Manis has, like, some Debbie potential. Like, I think there's a ceiling with Kaliak Manis because he does have a big arm. He is- Did you just say he has Debbie potential? Yeah. No, he is like the intangibles are there. He has a big arm. He's a good size. He has some scramble ability. Um, he's this is a true sophomore, right? Yeah, and he's he's young. I don't see him hitting that ceiling, but I think the ceiling is high. Um, I mean, even if he turns into a guy that matures in this offense and is okay this year, you could have in CFF dynasty or CTC, like a couple of years of him playing at a high level in the system, running the ball a little bit and pushing the ball downfield. I mean, Tanner Morgan was a good CFF quarterback when he had Bateman and when he had Tyler Johnson, he was like 22 plus points a game, um, which is something. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I just think it's hard to um, kind of guess what they're going to do. Like, are they going to actually throw the ball? Um, it, I don't know. In the spring game, both those guys having eight receptions, I mean, that's something. But 
spring games a spring and, game. Of course, you're going to try to show off. One of the off. coaches said said uh, to a reporter they were going to throw the ball more this year. Yeah, because coaches never lie. But well, I mean, they said it and then they actually did it as well. And why why isn't Elijah Spencer on the Debbie list yet? Um, cause who cares? He's good. Is he better than Trayshawn Holden? Uh, yes. Is he? Yes. <laughs> like he's, he's, I think he has the potential to be substantially better than all of these guys. I'm just gonna wait until you're talking. That was a uh, like ten spots. Well, that was a uh, a red herring because I actually just ranked Corey Crooms. Get wrecked. Oh, oh, we you're didn't so expect sneaky. that. You're so very sneaky. Um, I, I'm gonna. I'm I'd rather have Corley for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's fair. He's just already done quite a bit, and honestly, the like. 3.7 yards against man is good. And the few clips I can find of him, he actually has like route running ability and savvy. I just don't know how athletic he is. So um, I think that might prevent him from being a real early round guy, but I think he's very skilled. So I think that's fair. Do you like where I have him on TFF? I think I ranked him pretty low, but I just, just don't know if the volumes for sure there. And there's, all these other guys be a top twenty guy, but I, you, you one of I mean? us, one of us is losing connection because I did not hear that. Oh, I said if he becomes like the guy there, he could be a top twenty type guy, but we don't know if that's going to be the case, right? Yeah, there, yeah. I think too many guys. I think so, but it's it's more of a gut thing than any like you know hard evidence at this point. I think I personally would rather have. Hmm, I don't know. It's close. It's. I think it's closer to me between him and Crooms than it is to you. But it, it, we'll find out. You know what I mean? I mean, God, for all we know, they're going to throw out Ottman Bell, Jackson, and Brock. <laughs> like we just don't know. But the Brockington sounds interesting too. All right. Well, I'll keep us moving, and I've got another. New air raid team in the Big Ten, and that is the one, the only, the Dairy Raid out in Wisconsin. You know, they're big on their milk, they're big on their cheese up there. So, the Dairy Raid in Wisconsin is going to be led by Luke Fickle as head coach and Phil Longo as offensive coordinator. Phil Longo's had great success with some quarterbacks um, and some wide receivers. He was at UNC back with Sam Howell and now Drake May last season. Before that, he was with Old Miss with Jordan Ta'amu. I mean, those were CFF guys. I mean, Ta'amu was only like a top 25 guy, but Howell and May are were top 10 guys in CFF. So this is a massive upgrade for the passing game. Um, I mean, running backs at UNC weren't really bad. I think he was there for like one year of Javante and Carter, maybe two. Um, but I mean, after Javante and Carter, the running backs at UNC were decently bad. So I don't know. Running backs could be all right, but I mean, we know for sure the running back at Wisconsin this year is going to be all right, but in the future, 
not sure. Kind of a toss-up. But the quarterbacks and wide receivers are going to be much, much better, at least in comparison to Wisconsin's history. And coming in, this is a team that really hit the transfer portal hard. I mean, a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, you kind of got to do that, especially um, when you want to implement a new system. They push Graham Mertz out. They bring in Tanner Mordecai. Um, he will lead the passing attack at quarterback. He is more than good enough. He was a Oklahoma commit back in 2018. I believe a pretty highly rated recruit, at least decently highly rated, um, was the backup or QB3 at Oklahoma for three seasons and then transferred to SMU in the 2021 season and started immediately at SMU where he completed 67.5% of his passes for 3,623 yards, 39 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions in 2021. Um, a little bit worse in 2022 with 64% completion percentage, 3,268 yards, and just 31 touchdowns. So, you know, you go down eight touchdowns. Who cares if you're still over 30? Um, so now he grad transfers to Wisconsin. I mean, I think the CFF potential is definitely there. I know Eric has hinted at it. I'm not sure if that was before or after we started recording, but um, we I'm, like I'm Mordecai. I think he's – man, that kid likes to sling it down the field, and he has the arm to do it, and he still is has a, a good completion percentage. I mean, I think they're going to really – and I think the, the wide receivers are underrated, but I'll let you get into that. Yeah, and I think um, – Mordecai's a sneaky Debbie guy. I mean, he's the type of guy who, like, if he goes off in the system and gets 3,600 yards again or even more than that possibly, I mean, he's going to go to the NFL? Like a yeah. Bailey Zappi type? Maybe there's something? I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'd rather have him than Austin Reed, I think. I don't. I like Reed a lot. I know, but I just don't think he's an NFL guy. I think right above Finn, below Warner. It's very good. And then um, they also – Wisconsin also brought in a, another quarterback transfer, and I think this one is um, less important to CFF, at least for this year, obviously, since Mordecai will be the starter. But I think it's a bigger CF or Devi deal, and that is second-year quarterback Nick Evers will transfer in from Oklahoma – he was the QB eight in last year's class, according to 24 seven. I think um, this is a good play for the future. If you can get Nick Evers, uh, you can probably get him for really cheap. So um, I think he can be interesting next year. And then Braylon Allen at running back is the big name in this offense. Obviously you've already ranked him second overall on the running back list in Debbie. I think that's very fair. He is an absolute unit. He is six foot two, 245 pounds. Um, just, you know, destroys people. Has been since he was 17 years old as a true freshman. Um, he has two straight 1,000 yard seasons now. In his freshman year, he took 186 carries and turned them into 1,268 yards and 12 touchdowns. And then last year, a little bit less efficient. Still had those 1,200 yards, but did it on 230 carries and turned it into 11 touchdowns. Um, he's a guy who obviously has NFL size, a six foot two, 245 pounds, um, but more of like a Derrick Henry size. And in this air raid offense, 
he might get tasked with trying to catch some passes. I mean, if, if a guy like that can develop at least somewhat as a quote-unquote route runner, I mean, he's just got to get really good at that little um, quick route, but and you know, get some soft hands, then I think um, we're talking about a guy who's going to be really, really impressive to NFL scouts if he can do that. Um, and then there's there's not really much behind him. Nobody really worth talking about, I think. So we'll move on to the wide receiver room. And this is a uh, this is a room that brought in a ton of transfers. I mean, they bring in four transfers into Wisconsin. Um, two guys follow Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Those are Quincy Burroughs and Will Pauling. Um, neither of them did much at Cincinnati, but Will Pauling has been a darling of the coaching staff once he got on campus at Wisconsin. Um, he seems to be winning the slot role over returner Skylar Bell, um, and that's a big deal. That's a big deal because OC Phil Longo <laughs> in a recent interview said, I told my wife, I think the thing I love the most after you and my kids are slot wide receivers. <laughs> they are typically one of the most productive positions in my offense. So if Will Pauling is really going to win that slot role, that's a big deal for CFF. I mean, um, thinking back to UNC, Phil Longo had Josh Downs, obviously, for the last couple of years. Before that, it was um, it was Diami, but Daz Newsom and Diami Brown. Yeah, Newsom was good yeah. too, though. But Diami was the more productive guy. I think he was like a, a like a, a Z, like an off ball. Yeah, I think they kind of both switched in and out. If I remember correctly, yeah, they but, did. Yeah. yeah. And Pauling is um, five foot ten, one eighty six. I mean, has decent speed. Not really productive, but gained a sixty nine point four receiving grade on PFF, which isn't great, but it's good. Um, so if he's improving, it um, could be an interesting player to watch. And then also transferring in Oklahoma State's Bryson Green. I believe he's a fifth or sixth year senior. He was recruited by Phil Longo at Ole Miss back when he was there in like 2018. Um, and then once again, recruited by Phil Longo to go to UNC the first time Bryson Green entered the transfer portal. Um, just kind of didn't work out for that connection in the past. And now they're finally together in Wisconsin. Uh, Bryson Green is six foot two, 215 pounds, tons of muscle on his frame. I mean, he's just going to bully DBs. I'm not convinced he's a starter but i could see it i think it's between him and the usc transfer cj williams for the third spot in this offense um, cj williams was a four-star prospect and the wide receiver seven in last year's class um he has a he also has a big frame also shows good bursts he's not gonna like beat anybody fast in a race but he um is he uh breaks really quickly and, and gets out of those breaks quickly Although one thing to note was last year at USC, he was a year one zero. Um, I tend to think that's a big deal. Some people will argue against me, but didn't I think he had four catches last year as a true freshman. So obviously USC has a good receiver core. There's excuses to be made there, but um, I'm not sold on him being like super duper impressive for Debbie. Um, so yeah, see, I think Will Pauling is going to start in the slot. 
Bryson Green, C.J. Williams are going to battle for the wide receiver three. And then either the wide receiver one or wide receiver two between him and Pauling is going to be Kamari Dyke. Um, he was the wide receiver one last year at six foot one, 198. He had 44 receptions, 653 yards, and six touchdowns. It's a pretty paltry line, but when you consider that Wisconsin barely threw the ball, uh, um, Dyke really had a good, good productive season last year, 19.6% target share. Um, he's a decent wide receiver. I think not super interested in Debbie, but I think, um, there is some potential in this offense for him to be a CFF relevant He's player. Apparently, Chimre DK. I got every I look single um, section of that wrong. Every <laughs> single one. I was saying it wrong in my head, too. I knew it was DK, but Chimre was not how I was going with that. So I, I I like I like DK. <laughs> I mean the the beats have him as the wide receiver one. I get the Luongo thing. Um, we'll see how that plays out. But the reporters have said he's still going to be the wide receiver one. He was the wide receiver one last year. He came back and has looked great. Um, yeah, and he, I like Pauling more at cost. Uh, Pauling's free. Yeah, right? like he he don't get he don't get drafted. So. Um, DK did have a yards per route run over three last year, which is, that's like not, that wasn't a scheme. Uh, it wasn't like zone or man. It was all together. He was over three, which is super impressive. That's like, uh, you know, if my Debbie prospect hits that leading up to the draft, I am stoked. I can like downplay it with narrative a little bit, right? Like you're running behind one of the, two or three best running backs in the country. So it's like you're playing against a loaded box every single time. But nonetheless, like you are getting targeted the ball frequently when you're running routes and you are being really productive on them. So I'm like low-key excited for him uh, in terms of a guy you can get in like the 10th round or the 12th round of a supplemental. I think he could have some Debbie – uh, ability obviously a later breakout but it's freaking wisconsin you know what i mean it's like you know they just did not throw the ball until uh hopefully this year right yeah so i was still i think i ranked him pretty conservatively for how i feel about him but yeah i moved him up on the debbie rankings um okay cool. below lions i moved him above petaway here and then i actually moved him three spots down in cff um Wigless George and like, Camper jumped him. I like all three of those guys quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, I like everyone in that range, really, right? Has some, like, significant upside. Yeah, I, I like – honestly, like, I am drafting DK for Debbie purposes ahead of Polaire, Isaiah Williams, Badger, Bernard, JoJo, I don't think is going to be a thing, Brendan Rice. I'm probably taking ahead of all those guys personally. Is that is that your, your – you, Decorian Clark is – vastly better for cff but actually declark clark i think it's drafted though for sure yeah i think larry does too and i think williams does yeah so i don't this know is probably him, fine. And, He's gonna him probably... and are very similar players i think but williams honestly i think, I think 
fits the NFL. Yeah, I think most of these guys are like definitely day three players. I, JoJo is the one that stands out to me as being like in the wrong spot. But, That's um, too high, too low? Too high. I just don't know that he's an NFL player. I, I know the talent's there, yeah. but he hasn't been able to do it yet. He's just he like the like potential in the sea of sure things in this Debbie list, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. He's the guy where if he breaks out, he's you know the wide receiver four in his class, right? But I don't know if he's gonna. I start don't think year. he does. Yeah, I don't think he does. He could. I mean, it's kind. Of, it's him or I forget. It's not even um the kid that transferred from from uh, LSU. He's like not even on the depth chart. It's it's JoJo or someone else that's been there. But, yeah, it's um Jack Beck. So you're thinking of from LSU. Yeah, which I like that too, but yeah, he he's not gonna he's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think that's fair. I think we'll move. We can move him right now. We'll put him below. We'll move him way down. I think we'll put him all the way down. No, I, I'm just I, I get why people like him. The high school film's awesome. The camp highlights have been great every year. You know, or, or were great at Alabama, but I just. You had to transfer out of Alabama, and now you're not starting at, like, a significantly lower-tiered wide receiver room. Like, we don't even know who the guy is there. If you can't be the it's guy John in that Paul room, Richardson. you're probably not going to be a guy in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? Maybe he turns into a CFF thing. I could see that. Like, it's fast, you know. The issue is if he turns into a CFF thing, he turns into a Debbie thing because of his speed. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. He can't beat out John Paul Richardson right now. Hey, maybe John Paul Richardson's a good player. He could be. Um, yeah. I don't think I like where you have Braylon Allen in CFF. Where I have who? Braylon Allen. For CFF. Yeah. You would prefer to have Rasheen Ali. I mean, Allen is the returning RB3 in points per game ahead of C. Uh, Obviously, Rasheen was hurt, so Rasheen could be better. But I think we're way too long, Corum. Actually, I don't know why I did that yesterday or last week. We did that because Corum's coming off an injury, and it might be a timeshare. Yeah, I would still put him ahead. Bangura. I mean, Bangura was the is the RB five from last year. Um, Braylon Allen outscored Bangura in in the born and raised by about a half a point a game. So not much. We're talking about a razor thin. That is false. That is false. I have a hard time. That is is incorrect. That's factually incorrect information. I think you're on um, projections, not last year's Oh, you're right, 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 right. So wait, did Bangura outscore him last year? You're right. Yeah, Bangura, Bangura had 20.45 points per game, and Braylon Allen had 18 points per game. All right. So, like, Bangura outscored him, Webb outscored him, Evans outscored him, Gore, Ott, Wiley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at Nakia the Nakia Watson outscored him. All right. Yeah, put him, what, fourth, fifth? I think He's above Cooper, yeah. They're 16th, 18th. I think Although I do, there's a I think shot we're too high on. I think we're too high on Cooper. Um, I, I guess, I don't know. Is Ball State significantly worse? I mean, what? Well, Cooper's 
18 points, 19 points per game. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. I guess they're all in the same tier here. I think so. I'm gonna move him down yeah, we might be too low on Corum, just given given the, the how, how good he was last year. But I really do think they play Donovan a little bit more. But yeah, you can you can bump him up if you want. All right. Where did, uh, where did we end up putting Nokia Watson? Did, did we rank him? No, I think you hate Did him. he like slip through the cracks? I don't really like him, but he, he the production's he super, insane. He, he was super productive last year. You were telling me that it wasn't going to be Nokia Watson. You were trying to argue for the other one. I like Jalen Jenkins. Right. That's why you put we had to put Washington Watson down here. But I think Watson should be at least a top 20 guy, right? I mean, yeah, there you go. That makes more sense. All right. You, Tinker, I will start my next team. I love tinkering. Tinkering's great. I've decided, that, I've decided that the players who get suspended are getting crossed out instead of um, <laughs> deleted, by the way. So Hunter Deckers like, is crossed out. Arlen Bruce is crossed out. In the air. Arlen Bruce crossed out. Shame. How dare you bet? Yeah. Oh, did you hear the funniest story I saw from that? There was an Iowa State defensive lineman who bet on the Texas money line against Iowa State in 2021. And then Iowa State won 30 to 7. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. All right. It does Who seem do like next? common sense to like don't bet on your own games. <laughs> That's like, yeah. how is that okay ever? Like, did you? Oh. Like, are these kids too young to remember Pete Rose? <laughs> yeah. Um, I am going to add one player too, and that's Nick Evers to the Debbie list. I'm going to put him below Stone yeah. Reed. I kind of have a thing where, like, if a quarterback hasn't caught on a little bit by the you know middle of his sophomore year, then I feel like his Debbie potential is a lot narrower path. Obviously, yeah, guys, I think that's fair. It, but it's, it's I like Longo's bigger. ability to develop quarterbacks, though, and I think. Obviously, they bring in Evers, expecting him to take a year learning. So That's true. I don't know. All right. So I'm going to talk about our favorite team to talk about tonight, I think, for both of us, and that is Penn State. The Nittany Lions are, are going to be a lot of fun this year. Um, we have a family relationship with them. My uh, girl's dad was, was a Penn State guy. So I, f I forgot we still had to do them. We are going to be here for two hours. Yes. Well, I, I will be brief because I don't want to be here for two hours. But there's <laughs> some do. fun. I do. I cherish my time with you, Eric. <laughs> I, do. I, I do enjoy this. But nonetheless, I like sleeping too because I'm up at like five tomorrow. Um, Drew Aller. How high are we on Drew Allar? Um, Very. I mean, he, he, was, he was QB1 last year. I think for me, I liked Club Nick a lot too, but I had – Alar uh, ahead of him. Um, he hasn't done anything to hurt that, you know. I mean, his stats weren't like good for him playing last year, but talked about like freshman stats are usually rough, right? Um, if they're not rough, then then the kid's a you know superstar uh, automatically. But um, he still a four four touchdown zero interception ratio last year. Flashed in moments. You saw the talent. You saw the 
you know, opposite hash, 20 yards downfield strikes. Um, he was a lot better in the spring game statistically than he was last year. He's 19 for 30, a uh, couple of hundred yards, four 15 plus yard passes. Um, there's just a lot to like about this kid. He's got a little bit of mobility. He's got a cannon and uh, he has processing ability at, at a fairly high level already. So I think, you know, the expectation is that he's, he's going to be a first round draft pick. Obviously he has to prove it this year. If he doesn't, then we're having a different conversation, you know, in, in week 10 or whatever. But um, I, I expect him to succeed for sure. The other super exciting uh, Debbie piece here is Nicholas Singleton. And, you know, neither one of these are controversial, right? Like I just don't, I don't have anything that's like really opposite of consensus to say about these guys because Singleton is a monster. He's widely considered the Debbie RB1. Last year it was kind of Henderson or Singleton, but just after the season they both put up last year, it's impossible for me to have uh, Henderson ahead of Singleton. He just crushed as a true freshman with a backfield mate that was also productive. Uh, I mean, just the efficiency, uh, his tackle breaking ability was all on display. I mean, this kid is explosive. Uh, over a thousand yards, a true freshman, 12 touchdowns, 6.8 yards per attempt. He led this class in yards after contact per attempt with 4.58. I mean, I'm all in. Uh, all signs point to him being, you know, the RB1 in, in this draft class and like an instant. Like the way we felt about JT coming in, the way we felt maybe not Bijan just because the pass catching, but like he's like right behind that, like in that range in terms of how we are going to feel about him for the NFL. So if you can throw the farm at Nicholas Singleton and take him down in a Debbie league or in a CTC, uh, burn those assets. It's money well spent. I don't think there's many doubters left, though. It's tough to do. Um the other noteworthy running back there is Catron Allen, who I think is perennially underrated because Singleton is so good. I think if Catron Allen was on a team, like 90% of the teams in the P5, he would be their starter. And if he was starting and had a backfield to himself, I think we'd probably be talking about him as more like the RB3 in that class behind just Singleton and Judkins, really. Um, just he's not as explosive as Singleton. He wasn't as efficient between the tackles. But as a true freshman, he got 20 passes, 88 yards, went for a touchdown. He was more efficient as a receiving weapon than Singleton is. I mean, you step out, zoom out, and look at Catron Allen's profile, and, and it is a good profile. Um so not much negative to say about him. He's just not as explosive of an athlete as Singleton. Uh, Trayshawn Potts transferred there. He's probably the RB3 unless he gets passed up. He's a competent running back. Don't expect him to be a thing for CFF unless they really get decimated with injuries. Interestingly, uh, one of the most hyped newcomers to the team is a running back. True freshman Cameron Wallace was getting significant beat hype. He was uh, dropped as one of three newcomers to make an impact this year on the field. 
Uh, I mean, impact might be relative since he's running behind two high-end Debbie running backs, but uh, I guess it has to be said, you know, maybe Catron Allen transfers and this kid is a thing all of a sudden. I don't expect that, but could happen. Uh, tough, tough to draft a guy that you're not going to be able to start until 2025, right? So, um, but, you know, who knows? Definitely got a watch list for sure. Uh, the wide receiver room is interesting, but there's just not a lot toward it there. Um, there's a lot of guys, but some of them are just guys, right? I think the headliner is is probably Dante Cephas, uh, transfer from Kent State, where he ran, where he, he went for 3.2 yards per out run last year on a substantial volume. I mean, that is, as I was just saying a little bit ago with, with DK, that is – that's a good number. And yeah, it's G5, but still, like, you're doing something right. You're outperforming uh, the field there, for sure. Um, you know, and he's got he's got length. He's got speed. He could be a Debbie guy. Uh, just he is probably in his fourth season. So the prognosis for a guy like that uh, is a little bit harsher, right? It's tough to make him a, a day two wide receiver unless he goes for, like, 1800 yards this year uh, he'd really have to do like a, like a Xavier Hutchinson right to get into round three um, that would be the kind of performance you would need but that could happen you know depending on how him and Alar link up uh, the vet in the rooms Keandre Lambert Smith he was a high four star himself he's actually recruited more highly than Parker Washington uh, his room you know his uh, companion there went to the NFL ahead of him He's a really good athlete. Uh, he went for 389 yards, four touchdowns last year. He was three for 124 in the bowl game. Could be the guy there. Um, at least he will be a starter for sure. When they talk about starters, they talk about Lambert Smith. They talk about Harrison Wallace. And then who else is out there? But I, I think clearly Cephas is, is it, at worst the second most talented guy in that room right now. Um, uh, Harrison Wallace, I just mentioned, you don't hear anyone talking about him, but he went out there as a true freshman last year, went for almost 300 yards, played ahead of Caden Saunders, who was a highly recruited four-star, like a high four-star, like a top 15 type wide receiver. And in spring, uh, regarding his performance in, in the spring, the coaches said he was one of the two most improved players. So this is a guy that could be a thing. He could be a Debbie thing. He is not a year one zero, right? And this is a guy with prototypical alpha size that plays X wide receiver, plays on the outside, He's a boundary guy. So um, definitely got a watch list. Uh, CFF, does he do anything? I don't know. He could take a stride. He could be the guy there. You know what I'm saying? There's just not much settled here. So I'm definitely going to keep an eye on a room like this because I think value could emerge and there's a couple people here that could be Debbie assets. Um, Caden Saunders is the most highly recruited guy in the room, as I mentioned. Uh, complete zero last year. Not even like didn't hit our thresholds. Was like literally caught one pass. Um, and yet in spring game, he was one of Alar's main targets. So again, like another guy that could be a guy there. Unlikely, he is a top three. Likely, he gets playing time. So this could just be a hot mess, you know. Um, but, you know, a guy like Saunders could have an explosive sophomore season and go on to be a Debbie asset. So 
You don't want to drop him if you got him, but I'm not expending resources chasing him until he does something either. Um, tight end is generally a useful position at, at Penn State, and these guys all go on to the NFL. We saw Brenton Strange go on to the NFL this year and get drafted in the second round to the surprise of many. Um, and he, he likely wasn't the best tight end on the roster last year. We The Debbie people all think Theo Johnson is better. He's certainly the better athlete, but Strange did outperform him last year. I think there was some injuries that played into that. But nonetheless, uh, a breakout is expected for Theo Johnson. Um, and he was fine last year, you know, a couple hundred yards. Um, but I think he's at least startable this year. And I think if he plays well, he gets drafted. Um, there's Tyler Warren as well, who's kind of been the, in the committee with Strange and Johnson for the past couple of years. Um, gosh, you know, Warren could be the better asset, but I'm still going to bet on the better athlete right now. Um, and I do want Theo Johnson if he's free. I just don't want to pay much for him. Um I think the most interesting name in the tight end room right now is uh, Rapalea, uh, true freshman Andrew Rapalea. He's that all-purpose tight end that Penn State loves to roll out there. Uh, he's a guy that'll get on the field this year, um, but again, like buried on the depth chart ahead of two decent players. Uh, he was tight in eleven for two four seven. I watched a little bit of his film and. Uh, I don't think he is an elite athlete. He's not, it's not like watching Brock Bowers high school film or Oscar Delts where they're just, they move like a wide receiver, even though they're 230 pounds. Uh, he definitely looks like a bigger guy out there and, you know, more like a four seven type athlete right now, but uh, clean through his breaks, nice hands, good ability to pluck the ball out of the air. So I think he's maybe more in that like Cole Komet type mold, but a definite Debbie asset. And he, he goes super late in, in supplementals too. So, you know, if you need tight end help in the NFL side of your seat to see, you could do a lot worse than uh, making a move and acquiring some Rapalea for yourself. That's what I got. So I think it's a big old mess. I think there's going to be some value here. There could be some CFF value that emerges. The only one that gets drafted from this room uh, in CFF drafts is really Cephas. Sometimes you'll see Lambert Smith go late. Um, I don't mind that in a best ball because the kid can break off a couple of big plays and earn his keep. But uh, yeah, I, I could not pick the guy that, that you want to bet on here uh, if it's not Cephas. So, I, I agree. I think somebody, one of the wide receivers finishes higher than I have the highest one ranked. I just don't know who. Don't know who, you know, unless a lot really spreads the ball out. But yeah. Or unless Theo Johnson takes fifty receptions somehow. Yeah, could happen. And then he's a the tight end three or four or something in, in CFF, right? If that happens. So, All so right. tell got... me where I'm wrong here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even paying attention. I mean you're high on a lot, but I think that's reasonable. I think I would take Nelson over him right now. Um, but I think that's a tier. Yeah, it's a it's a how long do you want to wait play, I think. Yeah, I, I well you get Dante Moore ahead of him though. <laughs> yeah, I think Dante Moore's special though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nelson is too. They're both really good. Yeah. Whatever. 
Nah. Uh, that's where you're wrong. Catron Allen, I like where you have him ranked. I don't. I think that's probably a little bit higher. I than think. Consensus. I couldn't pull up my rankings. That's why I got confused. But I actually have Daryl R as QB three, so he would in fact be ahead of Dante. I forgot Drake may existed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was so, the issue. silly, silly man. Um, so yeah, I like where Katron is. I, I don't like where Gianti is. Honestly, Katron should be ahead of Gianti for sure. Um, I just one of them's playing. One of them's playing P five and has already done damage as a true freshman. Gianti got on the field. He looked good, but I just it's a lot. Look, it's a lot harder path to him to get drafted in the second round than it is for Katron Allen right now. Where did Doug Martin get drafted? Doug Martin was good for one year. He would suck. Doug Martin was a first-round pick running back out of Boise State. Ten years ago. Twelve years ago. That's not the same NFL, dude. Oh, I like John. Like half the NFL players that are in the league right now were in diapers, you know. Hey, half of them were at Boise State, actually. Uh, yeah. I mean, other than that, mostly, I, I think this is all fine. Fine. I think. If I think CFS I, I could guy, have Allen too low in CFF. What'd you say? Could I said I think I could have Allen too low in CFF. If that running back room is like incredibly good, I, I, dude, he went for a thousand on purpose last year. Yeah, like last year as a true freshman. But the thing is, like, do you project more for him? They already both got all of the work. The two yeah, of them, you know, yeah. I just it's hard to project a lot more than already being awesome. I think you give Singleton a couple hundred more yards than he did get last year. You give Allen a little bit more, but. So, yeah, it's yeah tough. I'm generally, generally pretty good with this. Cool. We will move on then. That's what we like to hear. Prefer when Eric does. Actually, I. That's a lie. I prefer when he argues with me. I like. I like that. But <laughs> I will move on to Nebraska, um, the uh, the wallows of the uh, Big Ten of recent years. They uh, finally move on trying to figure something out at the head coaching position. They hire Matt Rule, from who was fired this offseason from the Carolina Panthers. But this is a guy who's had a good college career in the past. I mean, he took Temple and did some good things over at Temple, moved on to Baylor, did really well at Baylor. So come, comes back to the college coaching ranks. I think he can do better than he did in Carolina. I mean, that's a low bar, but. Um, I definitely think he's more of a college coach than an NFL coach. He brings in Marcus Satterfield as his OC, though. I think that's a horrible <laughs> decision. Um, Marcus Satterfield was the OC at South Carolina for the last two seasons. His offenses were usually pretty tough to watch. Um, had some games here and there where they would go off most of the time. Not super stunning. Um but, yeah, Satterfield's a guy who coached under rule both at Baylor and with the Panthers, not as the OC at either of those stops, but moves up to OC now. Um, I also read an interview where he said he is, quote-unquote, on a crusade to restore the huddle 
um, which I hate. The huddle is not important. See, college football offenses have proved that you don't actually have to go in the huddle. Yeah, I don't even really know like where he's going with that. <laughs> you want to play he slow? Called it, and he called it the plays. heart and soul of the offense. Oh, ooh. So yeah, that's, that's fun. Um, so yeah, I think this is an offense that could possibly be worse than it was last year for CFF. Um, I have, I have high hopes for Matt Rule. I don't expect it to happen this season, especially when we look at the uh, personnel he's going to trot out there. And most of my concern stems from the quarterback position, where he brings in transfer quarterback Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. Um, was originally going to be a competition between him and Casey Thompson, but Casey Thompson left for FAU, cleared the way for Jeff Sims to start, and Jeff Sims has started three seasons for Georgia Tech, which means almost nothing because Georgia Tech's horrible, but um, in those three seasons he has PFF passing grades of 48.3, 57.4, and 52 he has a career 57.3% completion percentage. Um, I think Jeff Sims is going to be bad for this offense in general. Definitely not a good quarterback for wide receivers to thrive with. Um, I think there's a case to be made that Jeff Sims is a decent CFF option by himself because he can run the football. Um, his freshman year, he had 642 rushing yards, followed that up with 449 and 405 in the last two seasons. So that's worth something. I just don't see him as a good passer of the football. I think he brings down the rest of the offense. Um, but bad quarterback play can only bring down rushing running backs so much. So... I do think this team has a strong running attack this year with Jeff Sims and these running backs. Uh, Matt Rule has said plenty of times that he feels good about his offensive line going into this season. And they bring back three guys, really, um, but two guys who I think are good. Um, Anthony Grant and Gabe Irvin return at running back. Grant's in his like sixth year of college now. He enrolled at Florida State back in 2018 as a freshman, left Florida State and played community college ball before coming back to the FBS and Nebraska last season where he took 216 carries for 909 yards and six touchdowns, 18 receptions for 104 yards. I think he's a good college running back. Um I was kind of hopeful for some debut potential last year, but I don't really see it anymore. He wasn't very efficient. Of course, um, the offensive line wasn't great. Uh, nobody was really efficient last year. He's 5'11", 200 pounds, so he has decent size. I think he um, – I want to say he's the RB1, but it doesn't really feel like it when the staff talks about Gabe Irvin. Um, Gabe Urban is a guy who came in as a three-star in 2021, and he basically won the job in preseason. I mean, he came out and took the most snaps in the first four games at the running back position. He had 37 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Not very impressive in those four games, but what was impressive was really the snap count and the fact that he had more carries than um, a couple of guys who were older than him as a true freshman. And then his true freshman season was cut short by an ACL tear after four games, so um, not much there. And then last year, 
just 20 carries for 94 yards in seven games. He had a nagging turf toe injury that kind of took him out and off the field. There were a lot of games where he'd come in and play like five snaps and then not play again. So the production's not there for Gabe Irvin, but he's a guy that I know Alfred Fernandez was high on as a freshman. I mean, I, I liked him after Alfred recommended him to me. So I think Irvin's a very athletic running back, especially for a guy who's six foot two twenty five. I mean, that's NFL size and he is super fast for being two twenty five. and the coaching staff just raves about him every time they get the chance to, I mean, Matt rule called him a star of the off season. I believe, um, Matt Rule implemented this like tradition where there's like four guys who get um, like instead of like the the Buckeyes like putting taking off the black stripe or whatever they get a they get a number in the uh, single digits. So Gabe Irvin was one of four guys to get a number in the single digits. One of two guys on offense, I believe. So I wouldn't be surprised if Irvin takes this backfield from Anthony Grant, um, but I would be surprised if it was fully Irvin. So I think for CFF the two of them splitting work won't be super exciting, but maybe Urban can really do something for CFF next year in his senior season. And then they also have Ramir Johnson on the roster. He's a Jag, but um, last season he had 111 carries, 492 yards and four touchdowns. So he'll probably get some work too. I mean, I think it's a disgusting backfield for CFF. Um, so not great there. And then at wide receiver, they bring two guys returning from last year who caught at least one pass last season. Um, one of those is Marcus Washington. I think he's worth talking about. He's in his fifth season in college football. He played his first three at Texas and then transferred to Nebraska last year. And then last year he had 31 receptions, 471 yards, and a touchdown. He seems to be the starting wide receiver one outside. Um, he's six foot two, one ninety. There's nothing there for Debbie. He'll score some points for CFF. I mean, there's a case to be made that you can watch, watch list him and maybe he'll do something. Um, and then one guy who has had some hype around him for a while and never really taken off at all is Xavier Betts. Um, he joined Nebraska in the class of 2020 as you know, the big, big deal home state. Nebraska talent kid was the wide receiver 20 in the class at six foot two, 200 field stretcher type. He had 20 receptions, 286 yards and no touchdowns in 2021, but missed all of the 2022 season due to injury. So maybe Xavier Betts pops back off. Um, my pick to actually lead the wide receiver room in this offense is Billy Kemp. The fourth who is transferring in from Virginia he is also one of those four guys to earn a single digit. He is five foot nine, one seventy, so not a Debbie guy, but he is fast. He is quick. He's elusive, um, and he has prior production. Back in twenty twenty for Virginia, he had sixty seven receptions, six hundred forty four yards, and a touchdown. Parlayed that into twenty twenty one, where he had seventy four receptions, seven hundred twenty five yards, and six touchdowns. And then last season, dealt with some injuries, only played in seven games. I see him as possibly an 800-yard receiver. 
Like if Jeff Sims can throw for 2,400, 500, I could see Billy Kemp as an 800-yard receiver. Um, but I think that might be a tough task. And then one last guy I think is interesting in this wide receiver room is Malachi Coleman. He is a true freshman and the 11th-ranked athlete in the class by 24-7. And I tell you what, he is an athlete. He is six foot four, 190 pounds, clocked at 21.5 miles per hour. Um, anything above 20 miles per hour is good enough. Um, anything up near 22 is elite. And to be six foot four at 21 and a half is very, very impressive. Um, other guys like that are like Martavis Bryant, Demarius Thomas, and Julio Jones. I mean, not many people um, are that tall and that fast. So I think Malachi Coleman is a name who has a very clear path to not being a year one zero in terms of Debbie and um, definitely somebody who could take off in this Nebraska offense. And then they just bring in a bunch of dudes. Like they need wide receivers, so they bring them in. One of which they brought in. Um, here's my anecdote for Nebraska football. They bring in Baylor transfer Josh Fleeks, who is a sixth-year senior and a four-star rated transfer. Um, he shows up to Nebraska, and Matt Rule sends him home for being overweight. So he, instead of using you know the uh, million almost billion-dollar facility Nebraska has in the weight room. He wants him to go home to work on his weight. <laughs> Wild. Matt Rule, people. Matt Rule. That See, that's the shit that works in college sometimes, but does not fly in the NFL. So, um, yeah, not really kids. an NFL You're not dealing guy. with kids in the NFL. You're with growing men <laughs> yeah. that make millions of dollars. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, they bring in five – no, they bring in five three-star wide receivers, <laughs> freshmen. <laughs> Jaden Doss, Jeremiah Charles, Bryce Turner, Quentin Ives, and Demetrius Bell. They are all the exact same player. They are all 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". Decently athletic. Um, any of these guys could pop off, and it wouldn't be a surprise. I think Demetrius Bell would be my pick, just because he is the only one who I would consider a like refined route runner. Um, in any way, most of these other guys are just tall and fast. Um, so Bell I think it's 165 pounds right now. <laughs> I also like him, but like relatively speaking for like a yeah. 14th round supplemental pick. I wouldn't even pick him, but I, I'll think about him when week two comes around. I'll look and see how many snaps he's, play, he's played. But right. Yeah. If he's on the field, you know, definitely he's an athlete too. So and then. Tight end. I think tight end is the most excited I am about anyone on this team. And when you hear that, if you know Nebraska, you probably think it's Eric Gilbert, the transfer in from Georgia, who's, you know, uber athletic, um, was highly touted as a recruit, um, carries all this, um, you know, notoriety on his shoulders despite doing very little. Um, but it's not Eric Gilbert that I'm interested in. It's Thomas Fedone. Um, Thomas Fedone back in 2021 was the tight end two in the class. I believe possibly behind Eric Gilbert, um, actually. But um, 
Fadone has had um, knee injuries in both of the last two seasons, um, prevent him from really seeing the field. But Matt Rule has been just incredibly um, full of praise for Thomas Fadone and his leadership. Um, he seems to be, you know, the guy in the locker room. Definitely in terms of talent and on the field, he seems to be the guy at tight end above Eric Gilbert. Although um, with this wide, with this horrible wide receiver room, I think there's definitely room for both of them to be productive in this uh, offense. Um, but I do like Fadone quite a bit for Debbie if he can stay healthy and not have another knee injury. Big if, dude. He's on that Baylor Cup path right now <laughs> yeah that's fair sad but it's true um, all right why are we ranking jeff sims why are we doing this to ourselves um for cff for Devi. he's gonna run for 600 yards for debbie oh <laughs> my answer to every question like this is kenny pickett no he's not kenny pickett I refuse. Kenny Pickett was suck for four years and then had one good year and got drafted. He didn't suck that much. He was like um, Cade McNamara for four years and then had one good year. No, there was more like Kenny Pickett. Um, I'm going to move Gabe Urban up a little bit, not a ton. I just his film wasn't good his freshman year. I know he got the ball, but like I watched his film and he really wasn't everybody's good. film was bad his freshman year though. That team sucked. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Sure. Like that was before Casey Thompson. That team was he's big and he's like, fast. Adrian Whatever. Martinez. Hey, Adrian Martinez the NFL cares like, about guys who are big and fast. I know, I know they do. Good. Um I think Coleman also and Debbie is too low. I mean, I thought about it, and I was like, Jaquazy Petaway is kind of the same guy, but, I mean, Noah Rogers, you could put him with Noah Rogers, and I'm cool with that. Want me to do that? I'll do that. Let's I put the difference. I'd rather, Let's put him maybe have right below. Oh, oh, I did the wrong thing. Put him right here. Putting him below Rogers? I'd put yeah, him above right Rogers. Below I don't Cephas. like Rogers. I don't like Rogers either, but I see the talent. Yeah, he's good. He's just going to have to transfer. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know, though. I mean, we say that, and then, like, Malik Neighbors is the, you know, lowest ranked yeah. guy in his room, and he's the best player. It happens every year. But the thing is that, like, Innis and Tate are very good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. We get to cross out Tyrell Brock, too. I almost forgot about him. He's also, he's also suspended for gambling. For gambling? Oh, Jyrell yeah. Block is? Yeah. Oh, which also means his college career is finished. Yeah, since he's twenty-three years old already. Um, well, literally, I mean, anyone who gets caught gambling in the the NCAA is going to come down bad on these guys. That's um, that's great for um, Cartavius. Cartavius Norton. We should probably put Norton where Brock was. Yes, but we are keeping Brock. It's messed out for shame. For shame. Both of us and all five people that will download this will know the shame of Jyrell Brock. <laughs> all right. I got a team here. I got a team for you. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a team and it plays football. Is it Northwestern? It is better than Northwestern. Is it actually? <laughs> yeah. Did you see what Northwestern did with the the shirts that were like um, all in for the Wildcats, and then they had fucking uh, what's his name, the guy they just fired? They had his old number on there. Oh no! I didn't like, see that. like really, you're gonna support the guy who just got fired for fucking hazing for for letting the students haze. Yeah, they're a, a see. Uh, that is a great way for you know everyone to get fired. Burn it to the ground, what I, I say. Hope. So this is this is a team I got a soft spot for. Uh, Michigan State. I always want them to be fun, but you know, and in reality, we get these sneaky Debbie pieces out of here all the time. You um, you were correct. They are a team who plays football. They are a team that plays football, right? Uh, you know, and, and, and the last few years, at least, we've had these missiles come out, right? Like Kenneth Walker, right, was like, okay. Gosh, he was at two schools first. He was at, like, Wake. He was somewhere else. And there's Michigan State and just went nuclear. Um, it, last year, Jaden Reed, right? Jaden Reed, day two wide receiver. <laughs> NFL draft, right? Like, top 50 draft capital. And he was good, but he never was, uh, you know, he was never a guy that we were drooling over in college. He was a guy that you wanted to roster. He got some hype. The, I know the Debbie Watch guys liked him. They also liked A.J. Henning, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, you know, so they they develop some good pieces here, or at least they land some talent that goes on. And uh, my favorite guy there last year was – Keon Coleman, who has departed to the warmer waters of Florida, um, which makes me sad because he was going to go for like 1,200 yards uh, this year. They were just going to throw him the ball over and over and over again. Um, and he's probably not going to get that at FSU. But that leaves just like. Okay, before uh, you start uh, talking, there are a couple guys I really like at Michigan State. And if you say anything bad about them, I will not be happy. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you who they are. Until I'm unlikely. To, I'm unlikely to bad mouth them. I like some of the players here, so I just want to say that just the problem is they just have this like absolute gap of the offense. Peyton Thorne transferred. Auburn. Keon Coleman would have been their wide receiver one this year. Transferred. FSU. Jaden Reed, top receiver last year, gone. NFL. Uh, and they got cleaned out in the portal and by the draft. So like who is going to do what here? Uh, the Debbie hope was for Kate and Hauser to be the thing, some kind of thing for them, uh, athletic four star from last year. And that looks like it ain't going to happen. Uh, Noah Kim. That was one of the is, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I was really hoping you would say it would happen. It, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Uh, apparently Noah Kim has played well though, you know, so it's less that Caitlin Hauser is a stinky bag of doo-doo and more that Noah Kim seems to be a competent college quarterback. Although I will say like the most part, it was like, he, there was never really like three-way quarterback competition. It was like Peyton Thorne versus Noah Kim. They kind of just like glossed over Hauser in the B reports. So that was, yeah. I also have some Hauser. I was sad. Um, so 
it could still happen, but it, you know, looks less likely when a guy can't can't win the starting job over a three star. Um, so is Kim good? I don't know. He made some really nice throws in the spring game, but you know, one game does not a season make. Um, the guy to get excited about in the QB room, if you want to get excited about a Michigan State quarterback, is probably Sam Levitt. I do. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, <laughs> he's a two four seven QB eighteen. The campus to Canton guys are substantially higher on him than that. I think they have him at like seven. I'm substantially eight. higher than that. Yeah. What do you have? Yeah. Yeah. I look, he's, he's, he, he's got some tools. Uh, he can move through his progressions. He can run the ball. Um, you know, his first year as a starter in high school, he was thrown to, uh, you know, uh, like a, an all American wide receiver. I can't remember who, but they just referenced it in his write-ups. Uh, and then, you know, his, his, uh, later years as a starter, he was playing with substantially lower tier talent and elevating everyone around him. I love it when quarterbacks can do that. I mean, for me, that is, um, you know, it's a trade I love when you can bring the team up uh, around you. Um, I think that's a, a, you know, a trait. And I, I think it's a, a potent trait that translates to the next level. Um, the problem is who the hell is this guy throwing the ball to? Um, the star of spring ball was Tyrell Henry. He was referenced as a Keon Coleman replacement by one beat. A true sophomore, 6'0, 160 as a recruit. Obviously, he's in his second year now. Uh, I was referenced that you should buy stock in him. So, Tyrell Henry people could be a thing. Um, Antonio Gates Jr. obviously has some pedigree. He got a tutty in spring ball. He's a little bigger, 6'1, 185. He could be a thing. Monteroy Foster is probably a starting wide receiver. He's like a fifth year guy, gets that veteran bump. Malik Carr is there. Might still be a starter. See, this um, a tight end or wide receiver. They referred to him as tight end, as a wide receiver in the uh, the write ups, but I he's I think he's dual in fan track still. Um, I do think he's kind of just a big slot though. Um, I guess the guy you want for a CFF is probably Trey Mosley. He was supposed to be the wide receiver two behind Coleman. He's a slot guy, uh, 6'2", 180. He's not a little guy. He's a graduate transfer and has had some productive seasons. So he's probably the guy you want there for CFF. I mean, do you want him? I don't know. I mean, Coleman was decent last year. Reed was decent. They weren't 1,200-yard wide receivers, but they both went for 800. Um, you know, if it is just one guy, it could be better. Um quarterback play could be better. I never really thought Thorne was anything special. I thought he was a competent mid-level, like low to mid-level college quarterback. Um, see how he does at Auburn. I'm sure we'll talk was, about him soon. What was that name? Trey Mosley. M-O-S-E-L-Y. What year is he? He's a graduate. Uh Graduate transfer, yeah. Fifth, fifth or sixth year? I think he's a fifth. He came up from G5. I didn't write down what school he came from. Um, and then there's at least one new name to get a little bit excited about. I've been drafting Jalen Smith. Um, 247 has him as a three-star, but another guy that the campus to Canton guys are higher on. And I think a lot, largely when 
we have that conversation is usually about athleticism and uh, the athleticism giving you some Debbie upside, right? That, that players that don't have that talent level um, don't have, right? doesn't mean you're, you're going to hit, but uh, means you have the potential to hit. And you were the guy that, you know, wasn't the most prolific wide receiver in high school because he played quarterback and he played running back. and He was a two way player. Um, so, you know, best guy on the field was a track guy. Uh, it could happen. Right. Um, so he's probably your best bet for Debbie upside there. I did take a share or two of Gates super late because he was free. Why not? If he turns into a thing, I'd like to have him rostered. Um, it's about what I got for the wide receiver room. Then a running back, uh, Jalen Berger last year, Berger, Wisconsin transfer, was fine. Uh, went for 683 yards, six touchdowns, caught 19 passes. That was always one of the parts of his profile that we liked was that he was a pass catcher in high school. Um, he did that last year for Wisconsin. He did it competently. Um, last year was kind of a timeshare between him and uh, Jarek Broussard. Uh, Broussard was not good, though. Beats, in so many words, politely say he was not good last year, but the data certainly plays that out. Um, they did get a couple of transfers in, but the only one I'm really interested in is Nathan Carter. He's a little bit of a little guy, 5'10", buck 90, um, transferred in from UConn. He had a couple of, couple of games last year, admittedly against lower tier competition, that he just went off. He had 310 yards across two games, um, got graded out as a decent enough running back by PFF. You know, it wasn't like a top 10 guy, but certainly was – you know, a lot of green on his charts uh, for rushing grades. Uh, and then, you know, some beats mentioned him as a guy that could happen. So maybe you see this is a, a timeshare, Berger, Carter. Um, I mean, I think if you're hoping for Kenneth Walker, you're going to be disappointed. There's just no one at that talent level. Um, but they do run the ball. They've, they've had a history of having good line play and, uh, you know, and being able to, to, to run it up the tackles. Um, so, God, I mean, can Carter catch the edge? Yeah, you know, he's, he's fast. So that, that could be a thing. Um, that's what I got. You got anything on Michigan State? I love Nathan Carter. That yeah, is the he's a person you could not um bring down for me i love nathan carter i mean he was just so freaking good at uconn last year it was just killing teams um like well, completely by himself yeah so i'll just to throw a little I, I like him too a little cold water and it was you you uconn they're a trash bag team right it was him and aaron turner last year his good games were against like fcs teams like his oh, crazy play. Uh, he played a couple other teams. I'm trying to pull up the game logs. Oh, for some reason, they don't have his 2022 game logs on Sports Reference. <laughs> I don't understand why. It's UConn. It's not a, a fan tracks well, though. I looked them up on PFF because I think where I found them. 
But uh, and the thing is, he wasn't terrible in the other games, even though he was playing on a terrible team. But, uh, yeah, Syracuse, 16 for 71, two catches. I mean, that's fine. Syracuse is a better program. Uh, Michigan, 6 for 21. It's Michigan, so can't hold that against him. That's um, impressive yeah, for a UConn running back against Michigan. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Um, the first game was actually against Utah State. So, yeah, an okay team. You know, certainly not a not an FBS team or FCS team. They're a, you know, D five, right? Yeah, I think um, I think Carter's a good back. I think he can take over this offense. I think I don't think Berger is anything to me really. I don't think he's particularly good. He's just not that athletic, I think. I think he's like a competent college running back. He's not going to be an NFL player. He catches passes better than most college running backs, but that's the highest praise I can give him. Yeah. Carter is interestingly still unrostered in most of my leagues. You have him in one, I have him in one, and he is unrostered in like 10 leagues. So. Interesting. I have a lot of uh, hope for Carter. I'm surprised you didn't put leave it higher. Levitt. Yeah, I have him right behind Kineholtz in this class. Um, I think I see the issue. I think I see what I want to do. That's what I want. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Jaden Delora is really like a, <laughs> as much, you know, Debbie upside. The rest of that I can get behind. Um, now, I guess the other ranking that's interesting to me is Antonio Gates. Yeah. I just... I mean, he's a year one zero, right? I thought he had like one good game. I think he had like one catch. There are no statistics. That's fair. No statistics recorded. Yeah, he couldn't get on the field. But like, they had a decent wide receiver core last year, right? I mean,. Jaden Reed, um, Keon Coleman, and and Bernard, right? So yeah, you couldn't get on the field above Bernard. It's not like they're in blowouts. They're, you know, they're confident enough and usually not get crushed. And except by the issue is he gets on the field and he does a little bit and he gets so much hype. Yeah, like he's already getting so, hype for like his spring game, like one catch or whatever. <laughs> although I saw some people say, yeah, Antonio Gates caught a pat caught a touchdown pass but what it was was an awesome throw by kim more than one person pointed that out which doesn't mean it was bad on him but i mean yeah the pedigree is always going to produce hype whether it's warranted or not it's just going to happen yeah that's yeah that's kind of why i put him so high i will move him down but yeah anyway i was going to say i think just given the option jalen smith right now is starting the clean slate like he's and ranked more highly like i don't I can't give you a logical reason other than his name to put Gates ahead, and that's usually a bad process. I think the NFL falls trapped to bad process. 
Yeah, with day three picks, you know. But yeah, yeah. But I know the NFL makes terrible decisions routinely <laughs> all the time. All, all right. right, bring us, bring us home, Kyle. Are you with, or are we bringing it home? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of argument juice. <laughs> Maryland, uh, my last team of the day. Um, Dan Enos is out as OC. I think that should be good for anyone. Um, they bring in Mike. Well, Mike Loxley was the co-OC last year. They bring in Kevin Sumlin to be the new co-OC with Mike Loxley. Um, they both have pretty decent um, offensive experience. I mean, Sumlin, of course, was a very bad head coach at Texas A&M, but, I mean, as an OC, he obviously did enough to earn that job. Um, so I think they're good offensive minds. I think it's a step up to replace Dan Enos. Um Talia Tagaviola is back at quarterback. Um, he's been pretty good for his um, collegiate career. Not quite a world beater, but, you know, more than good enough. I mean, 68.6% completion percentage last year, 2,780 yards, 17 touchdowns, and six touchdowns and six interceptions in 11 games last year. In 2021, he had 3,500 passing yards and 24 touchdowns. And he's been decently productive on the ground as well, adding 240-plus rushing yards in both those years. Um, so he's a pretty solid quarterback. I'm not sold on Devi anymore. I mean, it seems like he's had the opportunity to go and hasn't gone and um, doesn't really seem to get any hype in terms of the NFL. So I don't think he's a guy where we're looking at in that lens anymore. Um, and then at running back, they return last year's leading rusher, Roman Hemby, who was a true freshman last season and had 923 yards and 10 touchdowns on 163 attempts. Very, very productive for a true freshman. Added 32 receptions for 293 yards. I mean, you love to see a guy who's doing it on the ground and through the air as a true freshman for a Power 5 team. Um, so... I think Roman Hemby is a great CFF option. Probably something there for Devi. I think he's a little small. Correct me if I'm wrong. Slender. Slender. Like, I think he's like 6'1", 200, or 6'1", 202, if I recall correctly. 6'2", no weight on the Maryland website. Yeah, he's like 205-ish. 6'2", 200 on Wikipedia. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, a bit a tall back, a little slender. He probably has room to put a weight on that frame. Um, so I think Hemby's very interesting, especially for a guy who's 6'2 at running back to catch 32 passes. I mean, that's definitely something. Um, and then Hemby was like a three-star recruit last year as a true freshman, and they brought in a guy who was a four-star, Ramon Brown, and everybody kind of thought Brown would be ahead. Um, Hemby was definitely an afterthought before the season, but um, it ended up being the Hemby show. But Brown was the back, one of the backups. I think he'll probably step into a primary backup role this season. Um, he had 34 carries of 127 yards last season, added eight receptions for 40 yards. And then the wide receiver room is pretty barren, or at least it was when the offseason began. Dante Demas Jr., Rakeem Jarrett, Jacob Copeland, all three go pro last season. So um, 
all that really left in the chamber was Ty Felton, um, who is a six foot one, one eighty five junior going into the season. He's a fast wide receiver and a pretty darn good route runner. He um, had twenty three receptions, three hundred nine receiving yards, and two touchdowns last season. And then they bring in a transfer from Florida International, Tyrese Chambers, um, who is a deep threat at six, also at six foot one, one eighty five. Had a really, really outstanding freshman year at Florida International. Broke out with 45 receptions for 1,074 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, if you're doing the math in your head, that's like 20 yards a reception, which is pretty insane. Um, fell back down to earth in his sophomore season with 51 receptions, 544 yards, and four touchdowns. FIU is a bad offense, just in general. So... Chambers is kind of looking at stepping into a better offense, a better situation with a much better quarterback while also playing against better corners. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can take a step from where he was at FIU in this Maryland offense, or if he takes a step back, um, I want to be surprised by either one, but I, I tend to think that Tyrese Chambers is a good player. Um, he's a guy who, when he entered the portal, I was hoping he'd come to Tennessee. So I think that means that he's, I think he's good. So, <laughs> um, no, I think the guy other than Hemby and Talia that I'm most excited about for CFF this year is Corey Dykes, the tight end. He's a redshirt junior who's six foot two, 220. So he's basically only a CFF tight end. He's not going to, uh, make waves in the NFL at that size unless he really switches to wide receiver. Um, but last season, he split work with C.J. Dipper, who transferred to Alabama this offseason. The two of them combined for 65 receptions last year, and Dykes himself had 35 of those 65 for 439 yards and three touchdowns. Obviously, in a perfect world, we want to just say that Dykes takes – all that production for himself as the sole tight end. Probably not quite how it's going to work out, but with all the wide receivers leaving too, I do see a, a path for Dykes to be a 60 reception tight end, which um, would put him in the tight end one conversation or, you know, the top 12 tight end conversation. And that's all I have on Maryland. They don't recruit very well at the moment. MB though. I like MB. Yeah, just no guys who like pop off the page as high schoolers. I'm definitely, yeah, I'm sure. I then, wouldn't be surprised if one of them pops off as a freshman, but don't know which rank, one. Gonna rank Deeks, Deeks, DKs. I would Dykes, say Dykes, Corey Dykes. Um, he's a guy who can go to the NFL, I bet. Yeah, I just, he's not gonna play in line at six foot two, 220, though. Oh, you're um, right. He's a little guy. Yeah, he could play big slot. But there's so many guys that fit that profile. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I I like Kenby a lot. I mean, he was like the returning like RB, I think it's like 30 or something because he didn't score touchdowns at all. Um. Like 50th overall, 
20 for Paige. He's 21. Um, so I don't know. I, I can't put him ahead of Singleton, but I, I don't want to. I would rather start him than start Donovan Edwards. So I thought that was kind of a pretty logical spot to land him. How do you feel about that? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like where you put him. I think Tyrese is the wild card here. Um, I think he's, I think he's the best player that Talia's played with, the best wide receiver. I didn't think Jarrett was that good yeah. ever. Yeah, I mean, all these other guys had so much pedigree, though. It's it's tough to say. So much pedigree, um, but they just didn't do it. Tyrese did it as a, you know, nineteen-year-old kid went for like twelve hundred yards against who? Yeah, and I do remember I rostered him a lot, and it was like several 180-yard games. It wasn't like a 100-yards game every week, but I don't know. See what happens, right? I mean, they, they've spread the ball out is what they've done. Um, I don't know if that's Talia or if that's the previous offensive coordinator's decision-making, but um, they have not had a concentrated passing tree to date, so – yeah. See what happens. You know, no one else there excites me for them to throw the ball to, particularly. Yeah. Um, I moved him down a little bit because of that. And also, you know, just taking that step from G5 to P5 can be a big deal for a lot of guys. Um, yeah. Oh, but yeah, I don't know if he should be ahead of Cephas. He should probably be behind Cephas. I think that's fair. Cephas has done more. I'm doing it right now. Okay. Anything else in Maryland? I got I got nothing for you here. They're kind of a fun team. Oh, you missed a critical piece here. Yeah. And you should feel bad about yourself. Okay. Antoine the Little Train, man. Antoine Littleton. How could you leave him out? Who? Oh. He's like 245 pounds at running back. Uh <laughs> spring spring game hero. He actually he started ahead of um, Hemby at the beginning of the season, but then Hemby was just so good he took the job. But Littleton was never bad either. Just Hemby is, you know, a, a, a high level talent for CFF, I think, or for college football. Um, you don't got to rank him. I just, I w- it would be want to do a podcast about Maryland without bringing him up. <laughs> Littleton seventy four attempts, three hundred sixty nine yards, and six touchdowns last year. Fair enough. Yeah, I see it. And he's fun. He's like he's like 245 pounds at like not even like I, I don't know. He's like a linebacker or <laughs> even like a deep, you know, like a like a like an edge guy. It's just built. Uh, all right. Does that put the Big Ten to rest for us? Yeah. Finally. I am I'm excited to not talk about the Big Ten. Me for too. Of <laughs> for a couple of weeks here until Till we have college football. We're making progress. So what's next? My friend. We got two left. How do you want to how do you want to do it? Should we just jump to the SEC so we get it done before the season starts? Or uh do we I talk about the of, ACC? I think we, we should probably just start at the SEC. I mean, I want to do ACC first, but if we can't schedule four nights in the next two weeks, we won't get everything done. What if we just were? What if we were really fast on the ACC and we did it all in one show? 
God. Just some pieces, man. You get to talk about the like four guys a team max. Nothing else. Dude, we could spend 40 minutes on Clemson and FSU. <laughs> the rest of the conference, like, I don't know. We could do without, but you, know, you say that. Like, we just gotta talk about guys at Wake Forest. Like, there's <laughs> We can always find something to talk about. We've proved that time and time again in this series. We've talked about the Mac, the Mountain West. I mean, we spent, I'm sure we spent like 30 minutes on Baylor or something. So <laughs> made an hour show out of the Mountain West somehow. So, uh, we can try to do the ACC Blitz if you want. All right. Or we can. Or we can do the SEC, but maybe we can find a night where you can start a little earlier, just in case uh, it does last. Yeah, too it's tough. my girlfriend gets home at uh, like seven. She gets home at like eight thirty on Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm out late, but well, nonetheless, I think that's will... yeah. Nonetheless, that's it for the Big Twelve, Big Ten. We'll uh, blitz the ACC or. Be with the SEC the next time you see us. So. <laughs> we will do one of these two things. We appreciate you all. Please do the review thing and do the push the little like button. We appreciate it when people do that. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think about this. I am EK signing off for the Debbie Dose. <laughs>